we've recently been enjoying as we had Pastor Alec here and his prophetic ministry and last week Carol talked about the fact that God still speaks and I want to pick up on that thought and just try and make it as practical as I can and look at this morning some of the ways that God actually speaks to us. It's interesting that the purpose of a prophet coming into our church is not just so that we wait in anticipation for a year later when the prophet comes back. The prophet comes into our church to equip us in the prophetic and hearing the voice of God so that we can actually hear his voice and not just wait for 12 months later. I don't want to undermine the value of a prophet because I think it's extremely valuable and it's necessary. But if we're going to rely on a prophet or someone, a prophetic word coming once a year, then we're in danger. We're in danger of, of taking this relationship that God has so freely offered us and relegating it to someone who just comes and speaks into our life once a year. See, you were designed to hear the voice of God. Two thousand years ago, Jesus died on the cross. He died to take away our sin, our sickness, and torment. But also, he died for us to come in relationship with the Father. He actually died so that we could have this place as born again people that we can actually come before him and have a relationship with him, have communications, have conversations with the Almighty God. Just think about that for a moment. God has actually invited you into such a place where you can actually have relationship, communication, engagement with the God of the universe. This is an incredible thought. There's a verse that says that Jesus says, my sheep hear my voice. The implication is that we were designed to hear his voice. It means here that the closer we're in proximity to the shepherd, the good shepherd Jesus, means the easier that we actually hear his voice, the more we actually intune our ear to what he's saying. It also can mean that as sheep, sometimes we wander off, we get distracted, we hear other voices, and the implication is that oftentimes we can actually grow quite distant to the perfect shepherd's voice. And here he is saying, hey, my sheep, hear my voice. When I was thinking about this again, I love the fact that it's so simple. You know, sometimes we make things complicated. I love the thought about a sheep. How many know that sheep aren't the smartest animals? All they have to do is stay in close proximity to the shepherd. And then everything else looks after itself. And Carol was talking about this last week, about the presence of God. And I love this because any time that maybe you feel like, hey, God's not speaking, maybe I'm a little bit distant from God, all we have to do is come in close proximity to Him and everything changes. The Scripture says that, what Jesus said, that man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. 
We are alive because of his word. His voice is why we're alive. But what we, our challenge is, is to actually understand the language of God. And oftentimes as Christians, we, we get up in the morning and we're expecting the Holy Spirit's going to speak to us in English, in an audible voice. How many have sort of been in that scenario? It's like, hey, we're expecting God to reveal something to us and we're, we're sitting there and we're waiting for this audible voice. But I'd like to propose that he actually speaks in very different ways. And if we don't understand the way that God actually speaks to us, then we're, we're missing all the time the very thing he's saying to us. A few years ago, a prophet said that the Holy Spirit's first language is not English. And I thought about it, I didn't really understand it. I was sitting there thinking, what is he talking about? I'll say it again, the Holy Spirit's first language is not English or whatever your native language is. He actually speaks in other ways and we're going to have a look at the ways of the language of God this morning. This morning I'm going to share some thoughts from a prophetic manual written by Chris Fallerton and if you're interested in the prophetic or interested in how God speaks and, and being, being a, a, a channel for that, I would recommend this manual and you can come and see me afterwards. I'll, I'm happy to, to give you the details of it. I'm going to quickly go through 10 ways that God actually speaks to us. 10 ways that God actually speaks to us. There's actually many more that we see in Scripture, but these are the ones that I picked out that I think are some of the most common ways that God actually speaks to us. And I don't think in any of these 10 ways is actually the audible voice of God. Now, we know that He can do that, but today I'm going to look at 10 other ways that we hear from God. Because if you're like me, sometimes you're waiting for that audible voice of God, and it's like, hey, is God speaking? I've got decisions, I've got stuff in life, and I'm, I'm trying to work out what is going on here. Is God actually speaking? How many know that when you're in crisis, when you're in decisions, it's that voice from God that's the game changer? We can be in the most desperate place, and there's one word from God, and it changes everything. Number one, the way that God speaks is through visions. We see that there's two types of visions. There's a vision which is in the mind, which is like a, like a screen is played on our mind and you'll see certain pictures and things. And oftentimes, if you've been around this church or other churches, you might have someone come up to you and say, hey, I saw a picture. That's a vision in the mind. We see that all through Scripture, that this was one of the ways that God spoke to people. The second type of vision is an open vision. And it's actually visibly seeing something. Like you would see a pew or a tree. It's actually a, a, an open vision where it's not just a screen plate on our mind, but it's actually like I'm standing, like this pulpit's in front of me. That's how real it is. We see right through the New Testament especially, and right through Scripture actually, the part that visions play in God speaking to His people. 
visions. Number two, I'm going to go pretty quick. So this is to increase our appetite and for the voice of God. Number two is dreams. Dreams. Dreams are a language of the Holy Spirit. We, we, we see this in, uh, once again, right through the New Testament. I'm, I'm often fascinated by the story of Joseph and Mary. And when Joseph has some pretty big decisions he's got to make in life, one was whether he should take Mary to be his wife. And then the other big decision was once Jesus was born, I think he was two years old, around that age, and, 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 and his, his life was in danger. There's two times where Jesus appears to him, or, sorry, where, where Jesus speaks to him through dreams. And I've often sat there and thought, God, this was the one thing you couldn't stuff up. Why did you leave it to a dream? Why not an audible voice? But here we see through Scripture that the Lord often speaks to His people through dreams. This is not by way of example. This actually happened in the last two days. But I had a dream and it was about Josh and I want to share it corporately this morning. Usually I would go to Josh and just share the dream that I felt was from God, but I want to share it this morning. So in the last, I think it was not last night gone, but the night before I had a dream. And I walked into a room and there was Josh sitting there at a work table with all other people. And I didn't know anybody else. But the work that these people were doing was they had these little blow torches, which is like a little gas canister with flame that comes out. They had these blow torches and they were melting aluminium cans and, 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 and aluminium and steel. And these weren't a high-powered torch. These were just a little blow torch. And as I walked into the room, I saw Josh and several other people working around melting aluminium cans. But there was one distinct difference that I noticed as I walked around the room in the dream that everyone had the same blowtorch, but Josh's was the only one that was melting the aluminium. And if you know a little blowtorch, doesn't actually get that hot. It's not actually hot enough to, to melt aluminium. But yet, Josh had the same size blowtorch, but these aluminium cans were melting. And that was it. That was it. I woke up. And as I was lying there, I felt the Lord say, that he's putting stuff in your hand that's going to be extremely powerful. That things that have been put in your hand in the past have been great, and there's things that he's entrusted to others, which is great, but what he's putting in your hand will do things that haven't been able to be done before. And I believe it's not only for, over your life, but over the evangelism team as well. I, I, I believe that has a flow and effect. And so, and so I was going to say Josh speaks through dreams. God speaks through dreams. <laughs> I would encourage us, God actually speaks to me a lot through dreams. Probably one of the most prominent ways. But I would encourage you, if you're, maybe you're here and you're not even a dreamer, and it's like you have the odd dream. I would encourage you when you get that dream and, and you feel it's from God, write it down. Record the dream. Because whatever we value actually grows. 
It might have been the pizza the night before. That's fine. You don't have to write those ones down. But you, you know when you wake up, there's a sense of faith, there's a sense of hope, there's a sense that this is from God. And so I would encourage you to write them down, record those things that God is saying. Quite a few years ago, I had, I actually had, I think it was three dreams and I was writing them down and it wasn't, I didn't know what they meant, but I recorded them on my phone. And then one morning I woke up with these words ringing in my head about a warning against offence. A warning personally against offence. Then seven days after that, somebody came to me and gave me a prophetic word to guard against offence. Seven days after that, I had another dream, which was obscure, and I recorded it. It wasn't till I went back and had a look at these couple of dreams and then this last dream mixed in with what the Lord had told me and this confirmed by someone else that I realized that the whole time for this month and a half that he was talking to me was about offense. And the last dream he actually gave me the antidote to conquer offense, which, which is another story. But all I'm saying is, as we value what he's speaking to us, see, sometimes we can be so quick to blow it off and go, hey, that's just a cryptic thing. Man, I have some weird dreams and we don't do anything with it. If I didn't record what he was telling me, I would have never seen what he was speaking to me about. Does that make sense? We also have to guard against dreams. Because if we create an environment with worry with anxiety and fear, that can actually manifest in our dream life. There's a, there's a verse, I think it's in Proverbs, that talks about a warning against um, what we entertain in our thought life can actually carry over into the dreams. And we know that because we're all here and we've all had dreams and we've all experienced that. So make sure... The dreams you have actually are confirmed with what God is saying elsewhere and, and confirmed with Scripture. How are we doing? All right, what are we up to? Number three, God's still small voice. Carol was talking about this again this morning. Um, we see that the prophet in the Old Testament, he was actually in a cave and he was looking for God to speak to him and he didn't hear God in the earthquake, he didn't hear God in this, this, this catastrophe this, and, and all the stuff that was going on but it was, he actually heard God's voice in the still small voice. And oftentimes we're looking for, excuse me, huge things to happen. We're looking from a thundering voice from heaven which, hey, I'll, I would love that by the way. But oftentimes, God speaks to us in this still, small way. Don't underestimate a passing thought, a sudden impression, an internal sense, or something that God is saying. I want to be a person, and I believe we want to be a people where not only do we acknowledge what God is doing when it's dramatic... But when there's a very small thing that's going on in our life or our church, and we can say, hey, that's God. Because oftentimes, He will come 
in a very subtle, a very still, small way. Number four, angels. This is not something we actually hear a lot about these days, about people that are actually, um, should I say, communicating with angels. Because all of a sudden we start saying that, we start feeling like we're getting out where the air's a little bit thin. But the reality is, angels actually bringing um, instruction to people is all through the New Testament. If you start reading the New Testament, as you do, um, you will see that this, this engagement, this interaction with, with angels and people happens all the time. We, we, hear, we see here in Acts chapter 8, verse 26, it says, But the angel of the Lord spoke to Philip, saying, Get up and go south to the road that descends from Jerusalem to Gaza. In Acts 12, when Peter was bound, if you remember the story, he's in prison. It says, And behold, an angel of the Lord suddenly appeared, and a light shone, shone in the cell. And he struck Peter's side and woke him up, saying, Get up quickly, and his chains fell off his hands. Have you ever wondered why we don't really hear about God speaking through angels anymore? Maybe it's because we don't value them. See, it's foolish to worship angels, but it's also foolish to ignore them. Angels. Number five, creation. The mountains speak of God's strength, the rivers of his provision, and the flowers of his beauty. Romans chapter 1 verse 20 says, For since the creation of the world, his invisible attributes, his eternal power and divine nature have been clearly seen, being understood through what he has made, so that they are without excuse. Psalms 19 says, The heavens are telling of the glory of God, and their expanse is declaring the work of his hands. Day to day pours forth speech, and night to night reveals knowledge. I don't know about you, but I think sometimes in our Western society, we, we compartmentalize things. And we say, all right, well, this is our God time on a Sunday, and maybe you've got a time during the week, and you sit there and you read scripture and worship and engage with God. But I'd like to propose that it's actually really healthy to invite God into every part of our life. And I love going to the beach, climbing a mountain, getting in nature and just enjoying God as he speaks to me as I'm walking along a trail. Recently, I did this for an afternoon. I climbed Mount Gungun and it's a great one. And it was incredible to, to sit up on, a, on, a, on the side of this mountain, looking out with a little chair with the sun streaming down upon me, just enjoying nature and just thinking, wow, he's created all this. And as a bird flies past, I remember that verse about why worry if I can feed the birds. And all of a sudden, as we observe nature, as we slow down long enough to actually take in the creator of the universe who has put something right on our doorstep that we can enjoy and that actually declares his glory, 
he speaks to us profoundly. I don't know about you, but I come away from these places feeling loved by God. It's not like a bird sat on my shoulder and tweeted something in my ear. It's not like a wallaby's given me a cuddle. But I go away from these places being filled with the love of God, being refreshed as I just observe nature, as I just contemplate His vastness, His love, His, his expanse, His everlasting nature of everything He's done. I would encourage us to take our disciplines and take it outside our house. Take our devotional times that are so important and integrate them into nature. Integrate them into whatever you get fulfilled in. Creation, incredible. Number six, scriptures, the Bible. Sometimes it may seem that, take, um, that, that God speaks to us and it's such a specific word for us that sometimes we can take it out of context. But I would like to encourage us this morning to, as best we can, is actually to look at the whole counsel of God. If, God's, if God highlights a specific scripture to you, don't just take that out of context, but actually look at the context, actually embrace the whole counsel of God. Who's ever been reading a passage and all of a sudden there's just something's been highlighted to you? I've had this many times where it's like, hey, this is mine. How many know that reality is, is for thousands of years people have been putting ownership on them, but in that moment this is mine and no one else can take it. And I'm sure you've been in those places where maybe even I remember, I remember a few years ago there was a, there was a puzzling thought to me and... There was a decision that, it wasn't even really a decision, it was just that this, this issue had come up and I didn't know the answer. And I was driving along in the car and I said, Holy Spirit, what do you think? And this is the only time it's ever come to me like that. He gave me Psalm, I can't remember what it was, a chapter and a verse, and I went there and bang. He didn't answer what I thought he was going to answer, but what he did was he redirected me away from the issue that wasn't actually an issue. So sometimes the Lord will speak clearly like that, where it's, it's, it's really clear. And other times we'll just be reading a passage and it's just like, hey, I can't get out of this passage of Scripture. And sometimes these passages become life passages to us, where the Holy Spirit constantly just breathes His life into those. John 15 has been a passage like that for me, where for many years it's just like the Lord keeps drawing me back to this, this passage in John 15 and many other passages. Just as we're talking about the scripture, if someone gives you a prophetic word but isn't living and breathing the word of God, don't trust it. Also, if they're not living in community, I wouldn't either. But right now we're talking about the word of God. People who have the privilege to give a prophetic word or a prophet, and we will come across many of them, if they're not living, breathing the scriptures... They're not a safe place where we can land. We have to allow the scriptures to define who we are. The most powerful way the Lord is speaking to me personally is through the word of God. The most powerful way. 
2 Timothy 3.16, it's a very, very common uh, verse here. It says, All Scripture is inspired by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, for training in righteousness, so that the man of God may be adequate, equipped for every good work. How many would agree that we want to be adequately equipped for every good work? And this is the role that the Scriptures that the Bible place in our lives. Number seven, impressions, impressions or, discern, or discernment. First Corinthians 12 verse 10, Paul talks about these um, uh, spiritual gifts and he says to another the, the distinguishing of spirits. Impressions or discernment is one of those things where we just feel something inside that's maybe not right or maybe is right. I remember years, a few years ago when I went to a missions trip to Guatemala, there was a certain amount of people in the group that had this, this discerning of spirits. We would walk along these rural towns and all of a sudden they would start feeling things and I'm not feeling anything. I'm just walking along, enjoying the trip, and we get back to debrief, and they're saying, wow, we could hear this, we could hear that, man, I was troubled, I was just in bliss, I wasn't discerning anything, just praying for people and having a great time, but oftentimes there's people that the Lord gives, and it's the way that he speaks, is he gives us this thing of discernment, of impressions. Oftentimes, it's with an evil spirit. We see that, we see that in the Bible. Um, but it's one of the ways that God speaks. Number eight. How are we doing? Signs and wonders. Signs and wonders. Many times, the Lord performs healings, breakthroughs, Impossible things for us, but they're possible for him. He provides a way when there was no way. Not only does it actually affect and heal our physical bodies or, or give us reprieve from the issues that we're in, but it does more than that. It actually reveals, it's actually God speaking to us of his love. It's actually God speaking to us of his concern as a perfect father. I'm sure most people in this room at some level would have experienced either healing of a body or breakthrough where there was an impossibility. And it's more than just the fact that I had this disease and now it's gone, or I had this ailment and now it's gone. It's more the fact that I didn't have a job and now that I've got a job. It's more the fact that I had no money in the bank and now I have some money. It's more than the fact that I had this relational problem or this, uh, this addiction to something and it's been broken off my life. It actually reveals the deeper heart of God, which is not limiting the fact that these things are important, breakthrough and freedom are important, but it actually speaks to us about His love and compassion as a perfect Father. And so oftentimes He speaks to us through signs and wonders to reveal His nature. Of course, any time we say this, then there's always mystery. And when we're in a process where we haven't seen the fulfillment of the promise, it doesn't mean he doesn't love us. It doesn't mean he doesn't care. It doesn't mean he's not a perfect father. 
And that's why I believe in Scripture it clearly talks about that consistency in prayer. Because he's actually not just, not just looking to get an outcome, but he's actually looking to build character and things in us in that journey. I know I've scratched the tip of an iceberg, but everything that God does, does reveal. It speaks to humanity. It speaks to us of his love, of his concern, of his care as a perfect father. Number nine, excuse me, number nine, circumstances. God can speak to us and direct us through the circumstances of our life. This often occurs when he opens or closes doors. Um, quite a few years ago, my wife Rachel was going for a, a management job in another company and she had a really good chance of getting the job because she actually had someone who was already a manager quite high up in the company and had already put a good word in for her. So really it was a done deal. And so she already had experience as a manager. Um, They were happy with everything, the CV, everything was fine. She got an interview. She blitzed the interview. They were right at the last point where they were just doing security, uh, the security checks for her to start the new role and the police checks, which, by the way, were all clear. Um, (laughs) And it was interesting because in our logical thinking, This was the best thing that could happen to us or happen to her. We knew the opportunities in this company. We knew the pay in this company. We knew knew all the prospects for the future that in our thinking were the best thing she could do. But we did pray and we did say, Lord, we're 99% sure this is your will, but if it isn't, close the door. A few days later, she got a call out of the blue and just said, you're not successful with no reasoning, no feedback, nothing. And we went away from that excited because it was like, hey, isn't this incredible that, 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 that the Lord, the creator of the heavens and earth, would actually care about us so much that even though something we were 99% sure was going to be a benefit to us, he actually closed that door for something else. Now, we'll never know, and we often talk about it, but we'll, we never know why he closed that door, but we just trust him that he had something better. We just trust in a perfect father that it's like as we surrender our lives to him, he will actually lead us through circumstances of life. When I was at Bible College at City Point a few years ago, um, I was very interested in the call of God on somebody's life. And at the end, I wrote a thesis on it. And I was always trying to figure out, well, what is the call of God on someone's life? We see that the Apostle Paul had this incredible encounter with God, that God knocks him off his horse and is like, hey, you're going to preach to the Gentiles. But yet... Mostly throughout scripture, we don't see that same sort of call. And the more I've engaged with the Lord about the issue and spoke to other people that are doing incredible things, 
I notice more that there's actually simplicity in it. It's actually just surrendering our life to Him and there'll be opportunities that come in front of us. Sometimes we get them right, sometimes we don't. But it's just like the Lord has such a way of leading us through the circumstances of life that He will actually, as long as we stay humble and hungry for Him, it's like sometimes we think we've taken the wrong turn, but it's not, it's not a T-intersection, it's actually a roundabout. And He'll get us to the right point anyway. And I think sometimes we can overanalyze. Am I called to do this? Should I do this? Should I do that? What about this opportunity? What about this? And I feel sometimes the Lord is just saying, hey, just surrender your life to me. And maybe the way the Lord leads us is through a still small voice or through an impression. Or maybe the circumstances just logically look right. But as we surrender our life to Him, He will change that. He will guide us through that all. Is that making sense to anyone? Circumstances, number nine. The last one. Number ten. Is spiritual happenings. Spiritual happenings. These are supernatural incidents that correlate with natural events. Stay with me. We see this in the book of Numbers where Aaron's rod, how many remember the story with Aaron's rod where it was a dead stick and it actually budded? It actually, this stick that was not attached to any life source actually starts budding, starts blossoming and, and there was ripe almonds and it was a sign from God that he was anointed to be the leader of Israel. And oftentimes there will be strange strange spiritual happenings that happen and we dismiss them and oftentimes it can be a way that God is actually wanting to speak to us. Once again, anytime spiritual happenings or this type of thing is discussed, you will have the unhealthy side where people look at every piece of grass as they go and get their mail. Like I understand that and they're looking for a coat or they're looking for, hey, there's, there's a stick that's fallen in my yard and that's pointing to that and that might mean something. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about the fact that once again, we're not overanalyzing every natural event in our life. But what we are doing is and this is something I had to learn because I love to overanalyze things and I love to have logical explanations for things. And so th what I had to learn was if there's something obscure that happens in my life, I don't necessarily have to take it to the bank and mortgage my house about this thing. But what I am doing in humility, I'm putting it there and I'm saying, Lord, I don't understand this, but I, I, I put it there and I ask that you would confirm that if, the, if this is something that I need to take note of. Because I think what we often do is we see a spiritual happening or we see something that makes no sense to us and all of a sudden we throw it out and we, 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 we criticize it in our hearts and our minds and we don't allow the Lord to speak to us through this way. Maybe you're going to the shopping center and there's the same number that keeps reappearing. 
Maybe you go to the deli and you pull a number and there's a number. Then maybe you go and you do something else and it's the same number. It's very easy for us to go, especially in a Western culture, to say, well, that doesn't mean anything. Just don't even waste my time thinking about these thoughts. But maybe the Lord is actually wanting to speak to us through these ways. And it's not that we take these numbers and, or, or these spiritual happenings or whatever it may be and we create a theology around them and base everything we do about them. But what we do do is, because of humility, we actually put it before the Lord and we say, Lord, this is happening in my life. And if this is from you, then breathe, breathe life onto it or reveal what it is that you're trying to speak to me about. Maybe out of the blue you're considering to um, do something in particular and somebody just comes in the blue, a stranger, and says the very suburb of the place you're thinking about, maybe buying a house or doing this or having some venture in. These type of things, and then maybe someone says it again. Rather than just throwing that out and saying, well, that's just weird, it's putting that before the Lord and saying, Lord, are you speaking to me in this way that I wouldn't normally embrace a spiritual happening. You imagine if the Israelites in um, in, the, in the book of Numbers, if they actually just discarded what was happening to the stick. It was the very thing that was to confirm the leadership that God had anointed this man for. So those are a number of ways that God actually speaks to us. And I think it's important because if you're like me, you're often looking for that audible voice or that English from God. If you haven't heard, from, if you haven't heard God speak, say, in the last 24 hours, I would say that you probably need to draw a little bit closer to Him because He's always speaking. It sometimes is a an interesting thought because the reality is is that God has designed us to such an extent that we come in relationship with Him and that we actually hear His voice. It was never meant to be an annual thing, a monthly thing, but it was meant to be a daily relationship where we hear the voice of God, where we engage, where we interact with the Holy Spirit. Just as we finish up, I want to encourage us all that you're actually designed to hear the voice of God. He's not encouraging, He's not calling us into something that we're not designed to do. Once again, going back to the analogy of the sheep and the shepherd, He's not asking the sheep to do something that innately they were not designed to do. Sheep in close proximity to the shepherd will automatically hear his voice, become familiar with his voice, silence the other voices and be in that place of safety and security. You're actually designed to hear God's voice. This is not a thing that is reserved for the prophets or for people that have prophetic words or for people that 
sit and read their Bibles for three hours a day. This is actually a natural development of people that come in close proximity to the Holy Spirit. They will actually hear his voice. I love the fact that God doesn't hide things from us. He hides things for us. And oftentimes in this journey of learning how to hear his voice, this is often what we find. And I have the privilege this morning to be standing up here, but I'm just scratching the tip of the iceberg. If he hasn't invited us in to have a relationship with him and hear his voice, then literally, let's all just go home. Because what else do we have? It's the fact that he's alive. It's the fact that he's doing life with us. It's the fact that we have partnership with him and he's called us to engage in this place where we get to communicate with God and he reveals the desires of his hearts to us. I want to finish with this thought. It was actually when Moses was in the desert and he walked past a burning bush. This, was, this could have been one of those weird spiritual things that he dismissed and he kept going. But this is what the Bible says. It says, Moses walked past the burning bush in the desert and heard nothing until he stopped and turned aside. Oftentimes there's things that are going on in our life, and, but it's actually those moments where we stop and we turn aside where we actually hear the voice of God. Moses could have walked along and said, hey, I saw a crazy thing today, fellas. There was this bush that was burning. He could have even journaled about it. He could have even written it down. He could have even told his kids about this incredible story and his grandkids. And they could have passed that down through the generations about this bush that was burning, that was not being consumed. But the power wasn't in the bush that wasn't being consumed. The power was in, as he turned aside, God spoke to him. And the encouragement for me, the encouragement for all of us today is let's be people that not just see the incredible things going on, but we actually turn aside. We actually stop in a hectic world, in the chaotic things of life, and we turn aside and say, Lord, what are you speaking to me about? you're here this morning and you say look I just don't hear I I, I can't hear the voice of God I just I can't make sense of it I can't hear him I I've just doesn't seem to work I would encourage you with two things and that's humility and hunger as we turn aside and once again it's coming through and Carol shared it this morning this childlike faith that all of a sudden God is speaking to us and we turn aside and we embrace humility and hunger. 
Humility means that even if we've been a Christian for a while and there's something we don't understand, we actually lean into that and say, could this be God? Hunger means the same thing. Hunger means that we're anticipating God to speak. Hunger means that when we read in the Word what God has declared over our life, we actually believe it to be true. I just believe as we embrace these two elements, humility and hunger, that the Lord is going to increase all our abilities to hear the voice of God. I just want to pray for us this morning. If you can just close your eyes. Lord, I thank you for the fact that you've designed us to hear your voice. Lord, we're so thankful this morning that you've actually designed it in such a way that you would come into partnership with us and do life with us so that we could journey in the issues of life just like we have conversations one with another. Lord, we thank you that you've designed it the same way with you. I pray for everybody here this morning. I pray that you would increase our ability to hear your voice. I pray that you'd give us grace and wisdom to know what is from you, what isn't from you. I pray that you would give us the ability to turn aside when we need to turn aside and pause for a couple of moments and say, Lord, what are you speaking to me about? Because we know that one word from you changes everything. Amen. Just before we leave this morning, I, I can't move on this morning without giving you an opportunity. I've spent the last half an hour talking about this personal relationship with God. And if you're here this morning, and we're not going to take too much time, but if you're here this morning and you say, hey, I haven't even had a relationship with God. I don't even have a personal relationship with God. You've never experienced your sins being forgiven. You've never experienced what the Bible says to be born again. If that's you, just, just as, 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 we, as we wait for a moment, if that's you, just raise your hand. I just want to make an opportunity. If anyone here wants to say yes to Jesus this morning, you want your sins forgiven, a brand new start, I want to include you in a prayer. Is there anyone this morning? I don't want to leave if there's anyone here that hasn't made that decision. This is the greatest decision you'll ever make is saying yes to him. Anyone just quickly as I scan across the room, Thank you, I see that hand down there. Anybody else wants to say yes to Jesus, to come into a personal relationship with him where you hear his voice? Anyone else quickly? All right, we're going to pray this as a family together. And there's one person here this morning that says they want to say yes to Jesus. They want this personal relationship with him. So why don't we pray this prayer together? Jesus, I give you my life. Thank you for forgiving me of my sin. Thank you for dying on the cross. And thank you for, for doing this so that I can have a personal relationship with you. Today of my own free will, I give you my life. And from this day on, 
I'm going to live for you. Amen. Why don't we celebrate that decision?